people. He's very encouraged by their thankfulness and their faithfulness to be giving and helping the church in Jerusalem with tithes and offerings and to support those that are also doing ministry in other places. But there were some issues. And so he sent Timothy out to take this letter to them. And basically there was some quarreling and some dissension. There were some issues that needed to be resolved. And then he just wanted to encourage them and love on them. As we get in Corinthians, we have that famous chapter of love, right? So in the beginning of this book, um, he really goes through a couple of things that he outlines. And I just want us to think kind of the purpose of his whole book. This is kind of the overarching. And this is a quote from uh, Wiersbe. And he basically says, um, the main concern of Paul in Corinthians is the unity of the church. Okay? So there was a self-centeredness in Corinth, which resulted in building cliques. Do we ever have that word in our society, cliques? Yeah, okay, gotcha. Within the church. Oh, no. Did I just say that? <laughs> cliques within the church, okay? Um, in flaunting knowledge and liberty in the face of others scandalized by it. Okay, and in the selfish displays in services. In other words, people serving within the church, flaunting their position, their power, their knowledge, their position over the rest of the flock. So that's why Paul is coming to these people and he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. we got to back up. we got to revisit some of this stuff. we got to remember love. we got to remember some of the basics. Christ died. He rose again. Remember all this. And so this last chapter, chapter 16, is where we get our verse. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. In the New King James, it says, Walk, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, and let all you do be done with love. Now, I really like that version, but I like how the message says it. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, Keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you got, be resolute and love without stopping. I kind of like how that says it. <laughs> so that's the message version. You might want to write that down. What does it mean to watch? Okay, the Greek word for all you Bible scholar ladies. Um, it's the Greek number G1127. And I have a couple of these throughout. And if you don't know what these are, write them down and come find me later. <laughs> okay? And I'll help you out. But we get the word Gregory. Okay, it's the word gra go re o. Okay, it's the word Gregory. So Gregory means to watch. It means to be awake, be sober, be alert, give attention to, take heed, take notice. Okay, I know I'm talking fast, all right? Um, Webster's Dictionary, I really like the 1928 version. Uh, it's, it goes back and it just kind of uses, I guess you would call it kind of the New King James-ish. Okay, can I say that-ish? <laughs> All right, I like this one, okay? Forbearance of sleep. Who's sleep deprived? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's watch. Um, be on guard, be vigilant, protect against danger, um, to look with expectation. Um, and then also in this Roman you know, ruling culture, they would have totally understood the watchman and what it meant to watch. And we have many times in the Bible where it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament where there was a watchman and there were four watches. You know, first watch, second watch, third watch, fourth watch, fourth watch, okay? So we kind of get that picture of a watchman, somebody watching. 
Um, Psalm 119, verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. And when it says the law, that's just another word for the Bible, for God's word. And so I want to talk about, let's turn to, turn with me. We're going to start this first, and then, we're, then we'll pray when I'm done with this. So turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. Okay, that's where we're going to start tonight. So if we're awake, if we're sober, if we're watching, our eyes really must be open, right? In a physical sense, our eyes have to be open, but also in a spiritual sense. And so 2 Kings, I'm just going to give you a, a synopsis. It starts out verse um, 8 through about 17 is where we're going to go. So 2 Kings chapter 6. And this story is about the king of Syria, and his name was Ben-Hadad, and that's just a title for the king, kind of like Pharaoh. Um, and we have Elisha the prophet in this story, and we have Elisha's servant. Basically what is happening is, the army of Syria is coming against the Israelites, and they are being defeated, like, hardcore. Like, it's like the enemy, like, they know where they're going, okay? So the king is kind of in a bad mood, <laughs> and he's been defeated a lot of times, and he is convinced that there is an enemy within, that somebody is on the inside telling the other side what's happening. And so he's, like, going to chop some heads off, and he's pretty upset. And he's like, okay, who, who's, who's not on my side? And they're like, it's not us, it's not us, it's this guy Elisha that's on the Israel side, and God speaks to him and tells him what you say in your bedroom. <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> and so he's like, where's he at? We gotta go get him. So they're like, well, he's in Dotham. So they go, and they're gonna surprise attack, and so they go at night, and they surround the city of Dotham. So that was Anna's paraphrase. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, um, so we're going to pick up in verse 17, and here's what happens is the, the servant went out early in the morning. Okay, Elisha's picture. This is Elisha's servant, and he goes out early in the morning, and he looks, and what does he see? He sees this vast army surrounding him, and he's like, uh-oh, <laughs> and he's freaking out, so he goes, runs back inside, and tells Elisha, and Elisha's like, okay, let's go see, you know. He goes out, and he's like, let me tell you something. So he prays for him. And this is what we're going to read. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So in other words, the picture is there's all these horses and chariots around the town and the city but behind them are even more. And these are God's angels, God's army right there. What a picture, right? So for us, you know, we need spiritual sight just like Elisha. And tonight there's a lot of things that I'm going to talk about, and we need spiritual sight <laughs> to understand it, to comprehend it, and to retain it. Um, this servant was not living, he was living by sight and not by faith, and he couldn't see without Elisha praying for him. So what I want to talk to you tonight is about watching, okay? And in Ephesians 1.8, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart be open. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And that's Ephesians 1.8. So let's pray right now. 
God, we just pray right now that our eyes, our spiritual eyes would be open and that you would impart to us knowledge and wisdom and understanding of your word. Father, I pray that you would just speak through me. Help me to be brave, God. Help me to just uh, speak the message that you and I worked on, God. And um, I pray that these ladies would understand and comprehend in a, in a deep spiritual way, Father. We thank you, God, that you gave us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so flip with me to 2 Peter 3, verse 8 and 9. So we're going to do a, have a Bible workout today, okay? <laughs> Bible workout. If you don't know where stuff's at, ask your neighbor, look in the beginning of your Bible and find it, okay? <laughs> okay, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. It says, but beloved... Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward those, towards, uh, toward us, not wanting that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So two things really stand out in this passage to me. One is God is just overarching over time. He's eternal. He always has been, always was there, always will be. It's, it's a hard concept for us to understand, but he decided to work through time because he created man, but he's like outside of time. It's just such a hard concept, right? It's, it's, it, we can talk about it and talk about it. So in other words, God works in time, but he's really not, he's not limited by time. So when he says these things, we're going to be talking about time because we're watching. Keep in mind that God's calendar and his order of time is not like we have time. It's time. He gave us 24-hour period of time because that's what we could handle. But he's outside of time. Does that make sense? Okay, the second thing that's super important is that God's love. In this passage, we see that God has a plan. Isn't that neat? He has a plan. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And so his timeline, he has one, but he's long-suffering, meaning he's patient. And his love just will triumph over. He doesn't want anyone. He takes no pleasure in um, the wicked and for anyone to perish. So we want to keep those two things um, in mind. Because we know, will everyone come to repentance? Oh, unfortunately, no. But he does want all. Um, and so that, those two things we just have to be um, thinking about. So when Kathy asked me to talk about being brave and what my topic was you watched, <laughs> I thought, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> and she wanted me to talk about a little bit of end time stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, so I just thought that I would talk a little bit um, just about my life personally because I know some of you know my story and some of you don't. And so um, just this last year for me has been an incredibly different year. And so I thought with all of this watching and waiting talk, that it would be pertinent <laughs> for me to share a little bit. So many of you know, five years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, um, stage three colon cancer. And that was like crazy, hard, good, wonderful, awful, all wrapped in one. <laughs> um, and God has been good since then through that and you know I can stand here and tell you that I'm cancer free and yeah there you go and um, you know but 
you know, talk about something that you've got to be brave through, right? Um, and, and, you know, honestly, uh, Kay and I were talking when we were driving up, and she had asked me, and it was, it was a good question, Kay, I just want you to know, you know, what, wh was it a hard time? Was it difficult? Was it, you know, did you struggle reading your Bible? And, you know, I couldn't think and focus the way I wanted to because my brain was like chemo brain and drugs were messing with you, but I, I had total peace and when, when we talk about keeping the law and meditating on the law, that's what I felt like that season was. That all this time that I had spent studying prior, all the Bible studies, all the other things that I had done, it was like it finally caught up and I was able to go, oh, oh, okay, I got it, you know? And now we're five years out and God's just done like amazing things, like uh, things that you know, many of you know who my husband is. Um, he has uh, basically in the last year sold a farm, sold a practice, and we're just waiting on God to tell us what's next. And so this year has been a extreme um, time of waiting and trusting in the Lord. I've, I've never had to ask people for money. I haven't been able to pay bills. I haven't been able to buy groceries. I haven't been able to... And that's something, you know, that is, like, prideful and hard to be like, um, can you help me with this? Because I just can't do it. And I think God had to bring us to that place for the next step. You know, so I want to offer you hope and encouragement that sometimes we just don't see how God's working. And again, like, it goes back to that time thing. And um, if, I, if I could have said after cancer... And having a baby, and after that, that was like total miracle. You know, we don't know if you're gonna have kids anymore, so you know, I don't know. And then you have Zachariah, which we named him Zachariah because the Lord remembered. And so, and he's good like that. Why does he have to do stuff like that? Because he doesn't have to play deaf, you know, and it's sweet. Um, and so, you know, just this last year has been so awesome to watch my husband grow and step out in faith and do things that I just would have never, I mean, you know, I prayed and prayed, girls, like, that my husband would love the Lord more. I didn't expect what has happened, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so be careful what you pray for. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's a really neat thing, and I'm super excited about where we're going with it. You know, it seems in the moment that it's hard, that it's super hard. And I think if any of us could stand up here and talk about the stuff that we're going through, it is hard. And sister, I want you to know, yeah, it's hard. But guess what? Somebody else is going through something too. You're not alone. And um, so I want to encourage you with, you know what? Stop trying to figure out why it's so hard. Stop. Just stop. Give yourself permission to stop. Um, I've not been as busy as I am now. And I thought with my husband selling a farm and selling a practice and being able to be more involved in ministry that we would have like more time together and like, and we are, we do have time together, we get to serve together, but it's like crazy busy. And it's a good kind of busy, but it's like, wow. Like we said no to these things and God just went, how about this? <laughs> like, okay. So, you know, just be ready. <laughs> for what he's got.
Um, so my encouragement for, you know, stop trying to figure out why it's so hard, you gotta live life backwards. You gotta look at this from God's perspective. He's already given us the roadmap of what the end is, and that's eternity. So this life is just this tiny little drop in the bucket, really. And this hard stuff that we have to go through is minimal compared to all of eternity. Um, you know, we will meet him in the air. We will be taken from this earth to meet him and be forever with him. Unless we die first, you know, he's coming back. So the solution to your personal problems, your hardships, things that are just, you know, get you, you got to look at it from eternity's perspective. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first his kingdom, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. So here's where we're going with this. Okay, you ready, note takers? <laughs> Here we go. So what are we to be watching for? Okay, Kathy asked me to talk about end time stuff. So you ready? Number one, Christ's return. So I'm going to give you all these things first if you're taking notes, and I'm going to give you some verses, and then we're going to go back through, and we're going to talk about all of them. Okay, you ready? So number one, Christ's return. has three verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Colossians 3, 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I'll say them one more time. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52, Colossians 3, 4, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Okay, and in that, we're going to talk a little bit about eschatology. Second thing that we need to be watching for is the enemy. John 10, 10, 1 Peter 5, 8, and Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. Say one more time, you ready? John 10, 10, 1 Peter 5, 8, Acts 20, 29 through 31. And then the third thing we have to be watching for is the war on truth. War on truth. War on truth, okay? Three verses there again. You're going to notice I got a lot of threes. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Galatians 1, 6 through 8 and Ephesians 2, 8. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, Galatians 1, 6 through 8, and Ephesians 2, 8. Okay? So we're going to start out with Christ's return. So let's read our first verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Okay? All right. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So that is one twentieth of a second. Okay, that's fast. You can't even blink that fast. In case you were wondering, it's super fast. <laughs> okay. Uh, Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow so as others who have no hope 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Wow, those are like some amazing, powerful words. Super encouraging, right? Okay, don't trust everything I have to say. Be a Berean. That's why I gave you all the verses, okay? Go look them up and meditate on them, okay? Um, this has just been such a good study for me, and I just, this is what I've gleaned from it. And you know, I always was con- confused about end time stuff and prophecy and tribulation and judgment and the lake of fire. And like, I just went, what do all these words mean? What is it? I don't get it. So I'm going to give you four phrases, okay? Four simple phrases to help you. Right now, phrase number one is the day of man, okay? The day of man. This is where we're living. I'm going to read to you. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 6. The Bible talks about it as in the days of Noah. That is the day of man. Okay, let me read you this. And think of how the world is today. Think. So the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We skip down to verse 11 and it says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Does that describe our world today? So bad, (laughs) right? No different than the day of Noah. And there's lots of studies and things being done out there that basically say that in Noah's day, it was just as populated as it is today. Stop and think about that. That's a lot of people. And God saw that Noah, he found grace in his eyes. So keep that in mind. Day, the day of man is our first phrase, okay? You're going to see these phrases in the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Phrase number two, the day of Christ. Okay, the day of Christ always refer to rapture, resurrection of the dead. Okay? So we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 10. So I gave you that one, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4. Okay? But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord 
will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will remain and be caught up together with them to the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And the, the same verse, First uh, Corinthians 5, 51 and 52, that's the twinkling of an eye. So rapture, whenever you see the day of Christ, and day in Christ is capitalized. It's a big D, okay? So remember, the rapture is going to occur with a shout, with the sound of the trumpet, and the voice of the archangel. So you may be asking yourself, okay, rapture, that is only for those who have put their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what rapture means. It means that we will be taken up. Okay, so if you've already died, you're there. It says, you know, when you're, if you, to be in Christ, you know, we're always forever with him, right? So there's no worry here. We're always with him. That's the end of the verse, right? Okay, third phrase, the day of the Lord. This, capitalized D and capitalized L-O-R-D, always refers to judgment. Now, in the Old Testament, you always see things like wrath and Jacob's trouble and all the confusing stuff in Daniel, right? Okay, it's the 70 weeks. Okay, Jackie just finished, Pastor Jackie just finished teaching on Daniel. Now he's in the book of Revelation. Okay, if you're not there, it's okay. Get the tape, go online, download it, get it on your phone. You'll get it, okay? Um, this one always refers to thief in the night. Have you heard that before? I'm going to come like a thief in the night. Okay, that is always talking about the day of the Lord, judgment. Okay, so day of Christ is always um, where we've got uh, the twinkling of an eye, the shout, the sound of a trumpet, the voice of the archangel. Okay, the day of the Lord is thief in the night. Got it? Okay, fourth one is the day of God. So day is capitalized, God is capitalized, G, the, the big D. Okay, this one is talking about the end of earth as we know it and a new heaven and a new earth. So this is like the end of what God created from the very beginning. Okay, and this one we've got Second uh, Peter 3, 12 through 13. So I'm going to read that one to you. Um, so looking and hasting the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for so look for same as watch new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells he's got to get rid of the old this old earth because sin has been here he can't be where there's sin, okay? So you got the four, right? Is this helping? Okay, this totally like opened my eyes. I was like, what? <laughs> I can understand eschatology now. <laughs> okay, so this end stuff, there's a lot of verses in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 39, um, Zechariah 14, Revelation chapter 20 and 21. I'll talk about what's going to happen in the end, the end end, okay? We get the great seat of judgment. We get all these 
crazy things that go on, all this horrible stuff that's going to be poured out on the earth. And, and the reason for that is because sin abounds. We read in Genesis that the, the world is just, it's wicked. And men's hearts are wicked. And that's why God's judgment has to come. Because he can't be worked in this. All right? And this is just so mind-boggling to me, this day of God. Um, many of you may know this about me, maybe you don't, but I have a chemistry degree. Sorry, I don't know if you knew that. I have a biology and a chemistry degree. And so I get really excited when I get to talk about chemistry. <laughs> so we're going to talk about an atom. Okay, school people, put your hat on. <laughs> Who knows what an atom's made up of? Teacher, teacher, <laughs> you get to answer. What's an atom made up of? Yeah, okay. So inside an atom, you've got a nucleus and you've got positive charges. We like to call those protons, right? And then flying around all these positive charges are these little negative charges, right? And those are your electrons, right? Coming back to you, right? <laughs> okay. So how's it hold together? Guess what? Science doesn't have an answer. I do. <laughs> it's right here. It says in Colossians, it says that, God, that Jesus holds it together. Amazing. And so when we read this stuff about end times and we go, he's going to melt it, it's going to melt with fervent heat. And my chemistry brain goes, huh, it's a chemical reaction. If he lets go of how everything is made up of, kaboom, it's gone. It melts. And he has let man figure out how to make what? An atomic bomb. Guess what? That's, that's what it is. If he lets go, everything disintegrates and melts. Because what happens when you have a bomb go off? Lots of energy released, right? Guess what? When he returns, boom, <laughs> a lot of energy out, you know, it's gone. And this just, I mean, to me, this just like, it's hard to understand, but it just blows me away that, that that's how powerful our God is and how amazing our God is, that he's holding this together, the feet, our bodies, everything. He is the one that is holding it together. Wow. It, 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 is, um, it is an amazing thing. So let's go back to 2 Thessalonians 5. Verse 1 through 11. And we're going to talk about times and seasons. Okay. Okay. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. What is that one? The day of... No, not the day of man. The day of Christ. Or um, the, day, the day of the Lord, okay? The thief in the night is the day of the Lord. So we're talking about judgment, right? Okay, when I say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes against, comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, 
so that this day, capital D again, should not overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. This sleep is the same word, watch, okay, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Okay, there's another word, wrath. What did we say that one was? We were talking about judgment again, the day of the Lord, right? <clears throat> but God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort you, each other with these words, just as you are doing. So there's lots of things to look at this. This is a big verse. So we know that this is the day of the Lord. This is judgment. He's talking about judgment, but he's saying what a contrast here. We've got but in here a lot. Compare and contrast. We've got light and dark. We've got um, sons of the day, sons of night, darkness. We've got sleep, not sleeping, watching, um, not watching, right? So the sleep and the, and the watching. We've got drunk at night, sleep at night. We've got be sober. So we have all these contrasting and comparing words, right? And he's saying, hey, you're not supposed to be, if you're of the light, you're not of the dark, right? They're the opposite, okay? So who are you? Are you a son of the light or are you of the dark? And he's giving us instruction. He says, be sober. So that be sober is watch, be vigilant, be watching. Um, he gives us an instruction. He says, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet of hope and salvation. Now, this is interesting. What does the enemy try to do to us? He wants to attack our faith. John 10, 10 that we're going to get to right now. Steal, kill, and destroy our mind. So he says, put your helmet on. Put your breastplate, your shield on, right? The opposite of faith is fear, right? And we're talking about being brave right where the enemy wants us, right? He wants us to be in fear. First uh, Timothy 1, 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. So let's talk about number two. What are we watching for? We're watching for the enemy. Okay? John 10, 10, The thief does not come expect to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, thief is used again here. Isn't that interesting? Why would we be having judgment on the earth? Remember? Comes as a thief in the night. The thief in the night is always a picture of who? The enemy, right? Okay? 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So now we've just added another picture of the enemy as a lion. Okay? Now we're going to go to Acts chapter 20, verse 29 through 31. So if you want to turn there, you can. Okay, so verse 29. So just a little backup to this. This is kind of the end of Acts, and Paul's giving some, he's getting ready to um, leave the people there, and he's kind of wrapping up, and he's telling them, here's what I want you to do, guys. 
I'm leaving and I'm never going to see you again. And so keep the faith and here's my charge to you. And he says, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So we're going to spend a little bit of time in this passage about the enemy. And there's just, there's a lot of dangers out there. Are you aware of that? Do you watch the news? <laughs> do you read the blogs? <laughs> do you like try to block it out? <laughs> I do. Um, there's just, there's a lot out there that comes at us, right? And so we just need to be aware there's a lot of dangers around us. So we're going to talk about false teachers, counterfeits, things that are not truth, okay, that the enemy uses to come in and pretend to be real, pretend to be truth, but it's not, okay? There's dangers among us. Uh-oh. What was Paul talking to the Corinthians about in this whole chapter? False doctrine, people that were, like, power-hungry, people that were like, ooh, look at me, I'm like, you know, whatever, I don't, I don't know who to think of, but, you know, they think there's something, I don't know. Um, so there's, you know, people that are ambitious for position, power. And then this one, this, this, this third one, I think is, is a biggie. The dangers within us. So we're talking about inventory in the heart. These are the ones that hit home, okay? So we've got five, uh, for lack of a better word, sins. Okay, because we just got to call it like it is, because that's what the Bible says call it like it is. Sin is sin. Okay? So there's five of them that we, that we see in this chapter, and we're going to talk about them. So verse 31. We're talking about Paul, and keep in mind, Paul was a tent maker, along with he just felt so passionate about telling people about Jesus. Um, you know, he was passionate about the Jews, and then he was like, well, if the Jews aren't going to listen to me, I guess I'll go elsewhere. And so he was zealous. He was super you know, passionate and excited about what he had to say. And he was not afraid to go into these cities and boldly walk into temples and sit down with these people and, and start talking to them. And so he modeled, what he's saying here is he modeled how it should be. And so he's reminding them, this is what you should be doing. Okay, and he's given them some words of warning. Okay, dangers within us. So the first one, carelessness, in verse 31. And I kind of like to call this one apathy. We kind of have this in our culture right now. People are very apathetic. I don't really care about the elections. I don't really care about what's going on. Right? Have you heard it? I have. Okay. Failing to stay awake, alert, and watching. That's what apathy is. Okay. 
Remember what Jesus paid for you. Don't grow apathetic. Don't get careless. Verse uh, 32, sin number two, shallowness. I kind of like to call this one fake. Can't fake it till you make it. Is that true? False, right? You can fake it for so long, and you can even fake it to yourself, but you can't fake God out, right? He knows. He knows our hearts. He knows what's in our hearts. And Paul is saying right here in verse 32, he's saying, you can't build up the kingdom without building up yourself. And he says, I commend you. So he's saying, I'm praying. You need to be praying. That word commend is to pray. You need to be praying, and you need to be in the word daily, word of his grace. So those two things. So we grow shallow and fake when we aren't doing those two things, when we aren't praying and we aren't reading the word. Third thing he talks about is covetousness. It's kind of a big word. And basically, I love this definition. It says, a consuming and controlling desire for what others have and more of what we ourselves already have. I just want more. Bigger size. Yes, I want the super size. <laughs> right? Because, you know, this little, like, you know, trinket isn't good enough. And so I want the bigger one and the bigger one, right? And I want that one because that one looks cool over there, right? And so we're just not happy, not content. And this really is a form of idolatry because we're putting that thing above this, above our relationship with Jesus. So the fourth thing, laziness. So this hits home. Paul was a tent maker along with doing the ministry. And this hits home for me because this is where my life has been for the last year is working ministry, working ministry. And it can be done. Paul did it, and he modeled it. And he's telling these guys, look, I provided for my own necessities. And those who couldn't afford to do it themselves, but those that came along with me. So he's saying, don't be lazy. In other words, whatever your job is, don't just collect a paycheck. Do your job. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, do your job. It's okay. Just get crumbs. Don't come to my house right now because there's dust bunnies and there's dishes in the sink and laundry piled up. And I mean, it's, it's my house, right? But that's my job. You know, but if you're, uh, you know, working in a bank, if you're a school teacher, if you're a nurse, if you're, whatever it is you're doing, you know, you answer the phones, whatever your job is, you do it and you do it well. And that's what Paul's saying. Hey, look, I labored. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this. So that word labor, we're women, right? You know what labor is all about. I don't even need to talk about it, <laughs> Right? So the fourth sin, he says, is selfishness. And he says, um, support the weak and give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And what do we all want? We just want to hold on to what we have, right? It's mine. <laughs> you know, we watch our kids, and I have a three-year-old, and, you know, it's mine. <laughs> it's mine. I want it. I want it. And, you know, he'll throw himself down on the ground and have a temper tantrum. And you know what? I feel like that. I may not do it, but I feel like that. <laughs> I'm honest, right? And so true ministry means giving, not getting, right? Um, dying to self, putting others first. This is the secret to being more blessed. Wow, I want to be more blessed. So the question is, you know, we try to ask ourselves, do I see myself in any of these? Do I see myself as being apathetic, as being careless? Do I see myself as being fake and shallow and just punching a time card and going through the motions and just doing the jig but not really doing it? Am I coveting? Is there stuff that I just, I want more than I want Jesus? Am I being lazy? I mean, am I just kind of haphazardly going through life? Just, yeah, another day. Yeah. Am I being selfish? Am I not thinking of others? And I think those are questions that are hard to answer. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, read Psalm 31, uh, 51. You know, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. You know, I need a right spirit. Check me, show me. Where am I wrong? Where am I at fault? And I think if we do those things honestly, I just want to challenge you. If you want to be brave, do those things. Because he'll show you. His word is true. And he'll show you those areas that you're not measuring up to compared to his word. Not compared to your friends. Not compared to your husband. Not compared to, you know, what's on Facebook. Because we all know that's not real, right? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> right? All right, so we're going on to our third thing. What are we watching for? So this third point, war, the war on truth. So there's deception out there, false Christ, other gospels. This should sound really familiar, okay? I'm just going to read 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And it says this, I charge you therefore, and this is Timothy writing, or Paul writing to Timothy, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. So what's that? We've talked about it, right? And his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears and their, their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. Oh, does that sound familiar to us? It kind of does, right? It sounds like today. Are a lot of churches really teaching the word? They want to, people want to hear things that tickle their ears. Have you heard that? That's what that itching is, you know? They just want to hear fluffy, nice, oh, you're, you're okay, we're all okay. Kumbaya, right? <laughs> that's, that's what it makes me think 
makeup. We're not all okay. And so Paul is telling Timothy, you know, take advantage of every opportunity of service. Be with it, whether you feel like it or not. Guess what, girls? I have days when I wake up and I don't feel like it. I want to pull the covers up over my head and go, I don't feel like being brave today, God. Somebody else go. And he goes, no, I called you. I'll make lunches again. I'll clean toilets again. I'll vacuum again. I'll change diapers again. I'll, you know, pay the bills. I'll go grocery shopping. I'll, you know, clean the church. I'll, whatever those things, fill in the blank. Because we do get tired, right? Tired is good. That means you're serving. In case you were wondering why you're tired, that's why. (laughs) And he's telling Timothy, you know, correct. But the thing about this correcting and rebuking part is, you can't do that in love unless you know the truth. And that's where we get it all wrong. That's where it goes haywire. Because we do it because we have wrong motives and because, well, this is what I think. We can't do it that way. We have to do it this way, right? He says, give hope to the faint-hearted. Give them encouragement. What kind of encouragement? I read the news, I see stuff, and I go, oh, it's bad, scary, ah. There's hope here. we got to know it so we can give it, you know? And he says, fulfill your ministry. Everyone has one, like we talked about. You know, don't be lazy with your job, whatever it is. You know, do it. Uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 8, he says this. I marvel, this is Paul again, that you are turning away. And this is to the church in uh, Galatia. And he's saying, you're turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So these are people that heard the gospel message. Simple gospel message. Jesus came. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on a cross for your sins. He was dead. He rose again. And therefore, he's going back to heaven. He's coming back to get us. If you believe this, that's the gospel. And it's simple. But men had twisted it. And he says, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to prevent the gospel of Christ. But even if you or an angel from heaven preach any gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Does that sound familiar? It sure does. I've had people knocking on my door. Come on in. Let me tell you about Jesus, and it's the one real true God. But you can't do that unless you know him, and you know this, because their message sounds really good like ours, but it's not the real one. This is the war on truth we're talking about. These Galatian believers had abandoned the very grace of God. They had left what Paul had told them. This is the message. Here it is, simple. And now people come in and kind of twist it around and add things to it does that sound familiar yes he says hold tight to this ephesians 2 8 says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is a gift of god but not of yourselves it's a gift of god 
anything different since the gospel of Jesus Christ is false. Period. That gives me like, yeah, all right, let's do this thing. So let's review. So we have Christ's return, we have the enemy, and we have the war on truth. Those are the things we're to be watching for. So let me give you a few things. Well, okay, so we've talked about those things, and there's a lot there, I know. But what am I really supposed to be doing while I'm watching? So I'm going to give you three things that we are to be doing. So they all start with be, okay? Be purified, be diligent, and be making disciples. So this be purified, repent. 1 John 3, I'm going to read this to you. Okay. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we will know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now what is he talking about here? He's talking about the rapture, or he's talking about those that have died and already gone to heaven. So the instant you're done here, you're with him, right? Or you're escaped in the rapture, and I mean, this like wonderful news here. We don't really know what it's going to be like, but we know we're going to see him, right? And then he goes on and he says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So this hope that we have is this desire to not live in sin like we talked about. And how do we purify ourselves? We have to be washed in the word. We have to read it. We have to study it. We have to know it. A true child of God who has experienced the love of God has no desire to sin against that love. When you truly love, you don't want to hurt the one that you love, right? And that's what he's saying in 1 John 3. 2 Peter 3, 11 through 14. I'll read that one a little bit, okay. Okay, 2 Peter 3, 11 through 14. So he's saying again, this is talking about the end of the ages, the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens um, will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth, which righteousness dwells. And then verse 14, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found. Be by him in peace without spot and blameless. So the word be is used twice. Be diligent to be found. Eagerly expect his return. We should be living holy lives, a holy, separate, different, set apart. Not that we're perfect right now. We're still going to struggle with sin, but it's the I'm living in this, and I'm, I'm hard to it. I've grown that careless, I'm, I'm apathetic to it. I, I don't want to look at that. That's a scary place. So how do we maintain this eager expectation 
that leads to this holy living, by keeping his promise before our hearts. That's why it's so important that we know this and read it. Because the promise of his coming is that this light that's going to shine in us into this dark world, right? We need our light to shine because we're anticipating his return and we love him. It's him, it's Jesus, it's that hope. That's what we get. That's the end from the beginning. Remember we talked about the beginning, I got these hard things going on and it seems like it's taking forever and it's hard, right? But it's this hope that lives in me that's going to get me because I'm thinking about eternity. And that's what he wants us to be thinking. That's what he wants us to be walking with Jesus. And then he says, secondly, be diligent to be found in him by peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this word diligent, I like this word in the Greek, it's hudazo, hudazo. There's another Greek word for you. It's B4710, in case you want to know. <laughs> but it means to be eager and to be zealous. I mean, we have this good picture of Paul. He definitely was that. But having been justified by faith, that's what gives us peace with God. And it's not the justification that, you know, we think. Are you wanting to justify your life and what you're doing? Or are you really justified? Okay. I'll say it again. Are you justified by him? Because you have peace with him? And you have a relationship with him? Or are you just justifying your life? Got to ask yourself that hard question. And then the last one, be making disciples. And then we all have heard the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all um, that I have taught, all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All power, all authority. And this go is, it's kind of a cool word. It's that present participle, going. So it's like this action. So it's really what it's saying is, while you are going, so it, no matter where you are, you should be a witness. So again, it goes back to whatever your job is. So the Great Commission is not the great suggestion. It's a commission. It's a command. We're all supposed to be making disciples. I love that. It's not a suggestion. You know, it's not the job of the pastor or the pastor's wife. or you know, It's not their job to just be the ones that are winning people to Christ. You have an audience. You who are the stay-at-home mom, you who are the nurse on the fourth floor, you who are the banker, you who are the CPA, you who, you know, answer the phones at the clinic, at the office, whatever, you know, you who help your husband with his business, whatever the job is, you who work in retail, you who, whatever, plug it in. You're going. You're going to work. You know you are. <laughs> you know, you have a job to do. You have to tell them. And he gives us this promise, this hope. You know what? End of the age, I will be with you. It just tells us again and again 
but he has a plan and he has a timeline within his plan. And it's amazing because, no, we don't know the time, right? He just tells us to watch and be ready. And that is where, where it is, right? So let's just review real quick. So what are we watching for? We're watching, number one, for Christ to return. We're watching for the enemy. We're watching for false teachers, deception, this war on truth, right? And it's in our face, right? Any of you got kids in school? Yeah, okay, I'm with you. Okay, and then we talked about four simple phrases that help us to understand end times, right? And I also have a nifty, nifty little uh, handout for you. Okay, if you're really wanting to study some more, here's some um, order of Bible prophecy. Okay, and it gives you a timeline and a map. So if you're always kind of like, when's the rapture? Where does that fit? Where does the tribulation start? What is the resurrection? Okay, and it's got a bunch of verses. Okay, so table leaders, when we break, come grab for your table and then you can hand that out to them. All right, I'm just going to put it here. Um, so we talked about that. So we talked about these four phrases, the day of man, the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, and the day of God. Okay, the day of man is today, the day of Christ, and the day of the Lord. So we, those two get confused, right? So one is the thief in the night, and one is ju in, in judgment, right? And the first one, day of Christ, is the rapture. Okay, with the shout, with the trumpet, with the loud sound, okay? The day of the Lord, judgment. And the day of God, the new heaven, the new earth. That helped, because it just freed me. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I can get this now. Okay, so we're going to sum it up in Mark chapter 13. So turn with me to Mark 13, 32 and 37. And this is Jesus talking. Mark 13, 32 and 37. This just sums up our job. Okay? And he starts out, verse 32, But of that day and hour no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And he is talking about the day of Christ here. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. This is an amazing passage. And he's telling, Jesus is telling his disciples, watch, pray, be ready. Only the Father knows the time. But he did something really special here. This is a picture of Jesus. And he's saying, it is like a man going to a far country. I'm going to leave you guys right now. I'm leaving. I'm going to go back to my Father. But I'm going to give you authority here on earth. What did he give us? The Holy Spirit. He gave us his Holy Spirit authority to his servants, to each his work. 
and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. And he told them, you don't know when the master, when I'm coming back. So he's telling them, watch. And he gives them those times. Remember in the Roman, this time when Rome was ruling over them, they would have understood it's the evening, the midnight, the crowing of the rooster in the morning. These were all the watch times that a new watchman took his post. And he's saying, I say it to you. So he's talking to the disciples. And then he says, I say it to all. So that's us. And he's saying, watch. And so we want to be, we want to be found ready. We want to be purified. We want to be diligent. We want to be found making disciples. We want to be holding the door open, ready for him to come in. And so, you know, really, the question really is what I asked earlier. Are you justifying yourself or are you really justified? And so I'm just going to give you an invitation because, you know, when I'm in this size, I don't know everyone. And I'm just going to do it like I do it with the kids. And I call it the ABCDs of salvation. And it's super simple. It's A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sin and that you're a sinner and that you need his forgiveness. And C, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then I added D for the kids. Do it now. Okay? Because we don't know when he's coming. And, you know, I look at the news and I look at what's going on and, you know, I don't know. It's closer than it was yesterday. It's cl- You know, I got a birthday. I'm going to be 40 next week. <laughs> he's coming. You know, I kept thinking, well, maybe, you know, is he going to come? And, you know, you listen to people talk that are older, maybe in their 80s, 90s, and they're like, oh, yeah, he was going to come in the 30s. Well, here we are. We're still here. So we don't know when he's coming. And if anyone tells you they know, they're wrong. Right? So pray with me right now. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word is truth and that we can stand on it, God. We pray, God, that if there is anyone here that doesn't know you, that isn't justified in a right relationship with you, Father, that they would cry out to you just in the quietness of their heart, Father. I pray that you would give them boldness. Help them be brave right now. Help them to stand, God, and confess with their mouth that you are Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray, God, that the words that were spoken take root deeply into the hearts of these ladies. I pray, God, that it offers encouragement and hope that we don't just hear the words, God, but we be doers of the word and that we be diligent as we live our lives, God, wholly devoted to you in a justified way, because we have peace with you. I don't know about these ladies, God, but I need peace in my life. There's a lot clamoring for my attention and my devotion and things that I could spend my time doing. But really, all I really want is you, God. Help me to live my life with the end in mind. That even though there's trials and there's tribulations and there's heartaches and there's 
pain, suffering. God, the suffering is unreal. We hear about it and we see it today, unlike any generation before. We have images, we have pictures, we have things that we can know instantly when they happen, where they happen, how it happened, multiple accounts. And it's hard to filter all those things because it hurts our hearts. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come now, come quickly. And we just want, want to be filled with hope, God. And we want to push that fear aside and we want to tell the enemy to go away. We want to live boldly and bravely, God. And we know that your promise that Mark 13 just spoke of, God, that you have given us all authority. And I just thank you, God, that we have the Holy Spirit, that seal upon us that you're going to return. And you are coming quickly, God. And no, you don't want anyone to come. Um, you don't want anyone to be left behind. You want all to come to repentance. And so you're patient, God. And time keeps ticking in our mind and things keep taking longer than we think. And so God, help us to live with the end in mind. Help us to be watching. Help us to tell our friends and our neighbors and our family that you're coming. And these things that are written for us here right now, this truth that we can hold on to, is the answer to life's problems, is the answer to the heartache and the pain and the suffering and the drama and the evil and the wrongdoings that are done to us and done to others, God. The answers are here. We just have to choose to live it. And I pray, God, that we would be brave and we would take it up and we would say, yes, I choose to live justified. Justified by the only one who paid the ultimate sacrifice by dying on a cross and rising three days later and taking my sin and my shame upon himself so that I can have peace with God. And I pray tonight, God, as we go to our tables, I pray that if there's someone that doesn't understand this, God, that they would be brave and they would speak and they would ask, God. And you are faithful, God, and you will meet them Thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for this time. And everyone said, Amen.